On today's Car Sports Talk, we review the latest NBA blockbuster trade. As a podcast, we continue with our NFL mock draft with picks 11 through 2. And we as a podcast will also be giving out our end of the season NFL awards. Let's go. Welcome, everyone, to the sixth episode of Car Sports Talk. Today is January 30th, almost February, boys, and I'm joined again by Sibo, my good friend, and our acquaintance, Ronald McDonald, also known as RJ. How you doing, yeah, Very funny, very funny. Uh, I'm sure you've never heard that one before. Yep. How was your guys' Mondays? Good? It was solid. Yeah, I had some classes Just today. It's all right. It's snowing up here. Snowing in beautiful Cortland, New York. Yep, it's snowing yep. in horrible in New York. <laughs> yep, well, I got to visit Cortland and Binghamton today, and guess what? It snowed everywhere. <laughs> so, guys, uh, yesterday was a really big trade in the NBA. We saw the Los Angeles Clippers drop a new on their team and decide to blow it all up. Blake Griffin was sent to the Detroit Pistons for Avery, Blatt, uh, Avery Bradley, Boban Marjanovic, Tobias Harris, and the first-round pick as well. You see what your Warriors are doing to the NBA, RJ? Do you see I know. It's happening? making everyone give up. This, and we were talking about DeAndre Jordan being on the move, but Blake Griffin came out of nowhere. This came out of nowhere. Yeah, and I wasn't expecting that. I heard they're still trying to deal DeAndre and Lou Will. Yeah, and package them for young players and picks. And if you look at what they're trying to do, I they have Jerry West as their CEO. Uh, he's in charge of all personnel decisions. Previously, he was w- with the Warriors. I think he realized there's no window of opportunity for them to win now. So he... And he's going he's gonna to use... Turn those young assets into a team that can compete in five, five, four to five years. Yeah, and guys, it was it was only um, just three years ago since it's it's 2018 now. So technically three years ago that the L.A. Clippers, joined by Chris Paul and Blake Griffin, basically barricaded DeAndre Jordan in his house, basically making him sign back with the Clippers again, and now he's the only one still there. Definitely not for yeah. long. Definitely not for Didn't long. Didn't they do all those commercials together too? Well, Blake Griffin's been working with Kia for a long time now. But him and, De- him, and him and Chris Paul are in like some commercials, I believe, together. As interesting as I find it for the Clippers, what about the move for the Pistons? They're two and a half games back in the from the eighth seed in the East. I just don't see what they think they're doing doing with their franchise going forward well the pistons are trying i read today are trying to potentially make a trade package for um utah jazz guard rodney hood yeah but that would be bad even if you get rodney hood's a good he's a good role player good defender great three-point shooter he could score the basketball but that's still not getting you you look at a team like the celtics they're younger and they're better you're not getting past the Cavs. You're not. You're probably still not getting past the Raptors. Yeah, I don't really know um, what Stan Van Gundy is trying to do down there anymore. He's. I thought he was originally a couple years back. He had a good plan going. Um, 
he, he really liked Tobias Harris. He traded basically he, – he, he loves him, and then he gets rid of him. Tobias Harris is basically just a bootleg Carmelo Anthony. He's just <laughs> not, he's just not really, about Michael Beasley. Eh, but Beasley uses more than 10% of his brain, so he's better <laughs> than all of us. But um, so here's, here's something that I've been thinking of. My prediction for what's going to happen with the Clippers – it's going to be one of two options. Either they're going to move Doc Rivers to the front office, because I, th- I think Doc is a good talent evaluator and has a good basketball mind, but maybe I think he's the issue there in the Clippers right now. Or they'll fire him, but regardless, I think that they're going to be bringing in or making a big push at a guy like David Fisdale for that job to try to coach a good young team. I can see Fisdale. De- definitely a possibility, especially since he clashed with a lot of the older players on the Grizzlies. So maybe give him a fresh start, give him a young team, let him do what he wants to do. Kind of like what you saw with the Bulls did. They got rid of – they want they wanted to see Hoiberg see what he's able to do with the roster that he builds. Yeah, I mean, every coach always wants to, like, when they're going into a situation like this – they want to. They want to build the team. They want to build it, you know. That and that was the issue with Fred Hoiberg. His first few years with the Bulls is that he went into Chicago, and he the, the, he was still under the shadow of the Tom Thibodeau teams, who were just defensively better than everyone else. And we're finally starting to see it now. He's got a couple couple good young guys. He's got Chris Dunn, Larry Markkinen, Zach Levine, Bobby Portis. So he's got a couple good young guys, and the Bulls are playing much better basketball. Mirotic isn't bad either, but I see them dealing in the zone to I get younger people. They have a they pretty tried ca- dealing in today. They, yeah, they tried deal. Uh, the trade fell through with the Pelicans, but they have front court depth, so that's not a very big trade. The scheme of their team. Yeah. And um, so also, guys, um, I want to take a look at the Thunder right now. They're winners of eight straight, I, I believe, right now. Um, they've, they're on a big winning streak right now, but they lost Andre Roberson the other day, and I read that they could be interested, Sebo, in trading for Courtney Lee. That's a good fit for them. He's a better three-pointer than Roberson, and he's not as good as a defender, but definitely a good trade for them. But who would we be getting? Who would we be getting? We'd probably be getting... What do they have to offer us? They're not giving us Terrence Ferguson. If you're a Knicks fan... You're taking any any asset possible for Courtney Lee. I I take a second round pick for Courtney Lee any day. Yeah, look I agree. A, look what a team like the Warriors could do with a second round pick. You got to draft well. You got to draft good young players. That's just the way I, the Knicks need to start thinking. Besides Terrence Ferguson, one on the Thunder is like even younger than 25 years old. They don't have a lot of young. They don't have a lot of young players. They're built to win now. So. They're definitely built that's, to win now, and, and the, the Thunder are definitely a team. I'm sorry, you go see about. That's the thing when you're talking about trading for assets. A lot of these teams are building to win now. They don't have a lot of assets to give up that might be attractive for a team like the Knicks. But when you're trading a guy like Courtney Lee, there shouldn't be that much friction in the trade deals. Unload his salary, give them a good player, take a second-round pick, maybe get a big contract that they want to unload and buy him out. Um, I was looking today, if the season the Knicks would end up uh, with the 12th pick in the draft. So, I- I'm just saying, they, the Knicks sellers. 
the trade deadline and just blow it up. Not not completely blow it up, but get rid of like Kyle Quinn because he will get possibly a late first rounder from a team who could use a reliable backup center. Trade Courtney Lee away. Just do whatever you can to get rid of Joakim Noah as well. Him and Jeff Hornacek, the head coach, got into a heated exchange this week, and Joakim was sent home. Yeah. Also, a name that's not really brought up with the Knicks in trading is Cantor. And that's Cantor. They should try trading him to a contender. Exactly. He's a very – on a contending team, he's a very good big man off the bench that could score. He's a former top three pick out of exactly. Kentucky. He's a phenomenal and rebounder. Is, and NS Kanter is not from Kentucky. He's from Turkey. No, Turkey. he went to Kentucky. Are you? Yeah. I don't think I ever knew that. He didn't play that much, but he went there. That's very good. I have to, you learn something new every day, don't you? Yep. Um, what can I say? Well, guys, so... um. That's the thing. I just really want the Knicks, you know, to try to do their best to get at least around into the um. Oh my God, are, is that? Are you still with Ace? Came up into my room. Ace is with you. To all of our podcasters, this is the dog that lives with RJ. Uh, his nickname is Mr. Stinky because uh, he's continues to use the bathroom all over the house. Um, RJ, go get rid of the dog right now. I am. And so- <laughs> Back to what RJ said about Cantor, he was technically enrolled in Kentucky, but he was ruled ineligible to play. So, so he never, never really did play there. But he still got the coaching of Calipari, probably. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's fine there. But Ines Cantor, guys, is also a free agent going into the offseason. So even if the Knicks do deal him, they can still bring him back. Absolutely. They absolutely can do that, so. Uh... All right, guys, let's move on right now to um, our mock draft. So in our last episode, guys, we, um, you know, we, we're, we're big football guys, and we continuously are talking football. So we decided that we would do our own mock draft the other day. Uh, so the other day we got to our top ten, and today we are going to be doing picks 11 through 20. So, Sibo, why don't you just refresh us with your top ten and then go from there. At one. I had Sam Darnold being taken to the Cleveland Browns. Number two, the Giants were taking Josh Allen. Three, the Colts took Barkley. Four, I had the Colts taking – I had the Browns taking Fitzpatrick. Five, I had the Broncos taking Baker Mayfield. Six, I had the New York Jets taking Josh Rosen. Seven, I had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking Quinn Nelson. Eight, I had the Bears taking Denzel Ward. I had the ninth picks. It's waiting. The ninth and tenth picks are waiting to be decided by a coin flip. For the San Francisco 49ers, I had them, had them taking Marcus Davenport. And I had the Raiders going with Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech. So to pick up at 11. I have the Dolphins taking Bradley Chubb, pass rusher out of NC State, one of the best pass rushers in the draft. Definitely need – they definitely – they have the interior interior line, but they definitely need the outside rushers. I, they could also look to go linebacker here, maybe Roquan Swift, but I think they take the best player in Bradley Chubb. Yeah, especially with Cameron Wake aging now. They definitely need to um, 
develop a pass rusher. I agree. At 12, at 12, I have the Bengals building up their offensive line, helping out Andy Dalton, Joe, Joe Mixon, A.J. Green, taking Connor Williams, the uh, left tackle out of Texas. Struggled with injuries this year. It's probably would have been a top five pick if not for not for the injuries. So I think they get a steal with him. At 13, I think the Redskins want to go quarterback. But in my mock draft, I have all these QBs t- being taken. So for them, I think they plug the middle. They take the best player. They take Roquan Smith. 14, I believe the Packers help out. They, they've, they've had a trend of helping out their, their secondary, but they really haven't found that guy. And Kevin King, he got hurt last year, struggled with some injuries. But I have them taking Josh Jackson, uh, cornerback out of Iowa. Best ball skills in the draft out of, out of every single cornerback. Great athlete. Think that's a good fit for them. Fifteen, I have the Mountain Vita Via going to the Cardinals. Big run stuffer. Help their de- help their run defense out. If you saw what Steve Wilkes said, he said there's nothing mo- more demoralizing to a team than being run on, especially as a D coordinator. So I think they plug in him in, and that helps immediately. Sixteen, I have the Ravens finally finding their wide receiver in Calvin Ridley. They've failed way too many times with I, with receivers. I think they take the most NFL-ready one in Ridley. The Ravens are also going to be a, um, a big player for wide rec- free agent wide receiver this offseason, um, Jarvis Landry as well, possibly. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, obviously, these mock drafts are – the Super Bowl hasn't even happened, so things will change. Pre-combine. Pre-combine. Pre-combine also. 17, I have the Chargers beefing up their offensive line and taking Orlando Brown, the mountain from Oklahoma, 6'8", 350-pound left tackle. 18, I have – I also – two offensive linemen going in a row here. I have Billy Price, the guard-slash-center out of Ohio State, four-year starter. Definitely help Russell Wilson out, make him not run for his life for once. 19, 19, this was a little, this was a little hard for me because as a Cowboys fan, I think they're very interested in defensive tackle wide receiver, but I think they take Derwin James with this pick. I also have, I'm, the reason I'm thinking that is because they just hired Chris, Chris Richard from Seattle, who is their defensive back coach from 2010 and was also their D coordinator the past two years before being fired. I think he gets his Cam Chancellor type player. Hopefully they sign Earl Thomas, but we'll get to that maybe another episode. And then 20, I have the Lions going with the best pass rusher available just in case they lose Ezekiel Anza. I have them taking Ardington out of LSU. All right. That seemed, that's awesome. And so you're 20 picks down, man. How's that feel? Feels pretty good. Honestly, it was, it was pretty tough. It, the, it really is. It was there's pretty a lot tough of teams doing in 10 there. to 20, or 11 to 20, especially because there's a lot of needs. And obviously with trades, you don't know what could happen. Because I had a lot of these teams, the teams like the Dolphins and the Redskins, looking for quarterbacks. But I don't think they, I don't think they take Lamar Jackson or Mason Rudolph that early. So I just couldn't put, I just couldn't put them there. Right. And that's the thing um, with this mock draft. I um, In a lot of mock drafts we've seen, we've seen the assumption that the Redskins will be going QB. 
But as we go forward, that um, that will start to change. Kirk Cousins even said today he would be he would possibly be um, okay with playing on the franchise tag again. Hey, he's making thirty million. Yeah, he's game. Why not? Yeah, I was gonna say he's making bank. Why not? Yeah, why not? All right, I'll get going, guys. So to recap my top ten, I start off with Cleveland taking Josh Rosen out of um, UCLA. I had the New York Giants getting their um, their next QB with Josh Allen out of Wyoming. I think they're going to sit him for a year behind Eli. I have the, the Colts taking Saquon Barkley. I have Cleveland taking Minka Fitzpatrick. I have Denver taking Baker Mayfield. I have my New York Jets taking Sam Darnold. We always have a pick, so let's try to uh, keep that going. We have Tampa Bay taking Denzel back out of Ohio State. I have I have the Chicago Bears helping out Mitchell Trubisky and drafting Calvin Ridley. And and the 9-10 spot between Oakland and San Fran, um, I think that San Fran will ultimately end up taking Quentin Nelson, and I will have Oakland taking Raquan Smith. And to go forward from there, at number 11, I have the Dolphins taking Trey Edmonds out of Virginia Tech. Uh, at 12 with the Bengals, I have them taking Orlando Brown out of Oklahoma, offensive tackle. Um, they, a couple of guys they've drafted in the past few years, um, Cedric Agbue, uh, I, don't, I hope I said that right, and Jake Fisher, just haven't really panned out, so they need to beef up their O-line. New offensive line coach also. Yeah. Uh, so I went with the assumption here that the Redskins will be taking a QB, and I have Mason Rudolph there. But that is definitely my weakest uh, – of my picks, just because it's way too early to tell. Uh, at 14, Sebo, I agree with you. I have the Packers taking Josh Jackson as well. A six-foot-one corner, led the, led the, um, the country interception, so I think they're beginning a good guy there. I, with Arizona at 15, I have them taking James Washington from Oklahoma State, a wide receiver. Larry Fitzgerald it has... We don't know how many years left, but besides that, John Brown's a free agent. What And they have David Johnson coming off injury, but they have no other real weapons. So if they're trying to build something for the future, I think they're going to get a guy like James Bond. At 16, I have the Baltimore Ravens taking Bradley Chubb from NC State. Uh, at 17, I have the Chargers taking Derwin James because their defensive coordinator – Gus Bradley is there now, and he he started off with the Seahawks, and he had a guy who we all know by the name of Cam Chancellor, a guy who Derwin James has been compared to. At 18, I have the Seahawks boosting up their O-line and taking Colton Brown out of UCLA. He's a very good athlete. Uh, he, he was hurt this year. Um, I think at the combine, he's going to show off some great athleticism. I have Dallas taking um, defensive tackle Vita Vey, Sebo. That would be awesome. Like, if like, he's there at 19, I'm a very happy man. Yeah, like you said, you know, no one wants to get run on. It's probably the most demoralizing thing. And at 20, I mean, guys, this, like I said, this is an early mock draft. I think he will go possibly ahead earlier, but I'm going to go with Detroit again, Marcus Davenport down here. But we did say he's really raw, so, you know, he's still kind of a wild card at the moment. All right, Lorenzo Ball, let's see what you got. All right, so from last last episode, I had Baker going number one to the Browns. I had Josh Rosen from UCLA going to the Giants. 
Bradley Chubb from NC State going to the Colts. Sam Barkley going to the Browns from Penn State. Sam Darnold going to the Broncos from USC. Josh Allen going to the Jets from Wyoming. Denzel Ward going to the Bucks from Ohio State. Then I got Marcus Davenport from San, UT San Antonio going to the Bears. And then I had the 49ers helping out Garoppolo by getting Quentin Nelson, who's arguably the best prospect in the class. And at once again, number nine, or you could say number two, gets it. I had Raquan Smith going to the Raiders. And now with number 11, I have the Dolphins selecting Minka Fitzpatrick. I feel like he would help out that defense tremendously and be a captain on D. Do you think he'll really, do you think he's going to fall that far though? The thing, that's the thing. I'm going to be completely honest. I forgot to put him in the top 10, completely skipped over his name. I feel like if he's there at number 11 with a team like the Dolphins, they're going to pick him. Best player available. Exactly. And number 12, I got the bang. I think Sebo picked him too. Connor Williams, the tackle from Texas. Yes, I did. I feel like he might be the best offensive lineman in a draft beside, um, besides the fact that he was injured. That's the only thing that was keeping him back. Yeah, he's, an, he's a nasty guy, a good athlete too. And I got Sebo's boy, Tremont Edmonds, from uh, Virginia Tech going number 13. Trey Edmonds. Trey Edmonds. Oh, it's Trey Edmonds? Not Tremont. No, I said Tremaine. That's oh, what I said. Oh, well, I'm wrong too. But, yes, Trey Edmonds. All right, well, that's what I was going for. <laughs> um, I guess. All right. And number 14, I have the Packers helping out their defense and their pass rush by getting Arden Key from LSU. Number 15, I got the Cardinals. I honestly think the Cardinals are going to sign a QB in free agency. And I feel that they're going to beef up their offensive line and get uh, the big guy from OK State, Orlando Brown. Number 16, I got the Ravens. Helping out Flacco a little bit. Maybe he has some more left in his career by getting Ridley from Bama. So you and Sebo both agree there. And number 17, I got uh, the guy De'Aaron Payne from Bama going to the Chargers. Help out their pass rush along with uh, Bosa. Number 18, I got Derwin James from Florida State going to the Seahawks to hopefully find a guy like Cam Chancellor could to eventually take his place or play alongside him, especially considering that Earl Thomas is supposedly going where the money's going. I don't know if it's true or not. I think he's going to the Cowboys. And especially since their D-back, their defensive backs coach just went there. Number 19, I got the Cowboys also helping their secondary by getting Josh Jackson from Iowa. And then number 20, I got the Lions helping out the pass rush due to um, the potential loss of Haloti. I don't know if I'm saying this name right. Nata. 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 And, and possibly Ezekiel Nas Ansa by game Reese Hurst from Michigan. And that's my 11 through 20. All right. No, cool. All right. What's up? Me and you both brought up the Earl Thomas point. 
Goldblatt, what what do you think about this? What do you well, what do you think ends up happening with Earl Thomas? I don't see him leaving Seattle this year, to be honest. Did you I did you see his talk. talks about whole? I believe. Here's my take: when he when he went up to Jason Garrett after the Seattle and Dallas game, he had a plan all along. When he said, "Come get me." He knew that he knew that Seattle's going to be rebuilding. He's got ten. He's got over ten million guaranteed left on his one-year contract. I I honestly think that. Well, look look at it this way: Where did Earl Thomas go to college? He went to Texas. He went. He said he 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 said that he want he would rather, not he would rather, but if he if he's going anywhere else, he want he wants to play in Dallas. Texas is the hotbed of football in all of America, so it makes sense that he would want that he would want to go back home for himself there. But I just um, he's from Texas too, know, right? Like he grew just, up there, yeah, right? I just think home. ever since that day, he set something in motion that he has a plan, and whether it's him being traded for a pick, which the Cowboys have ten picks this draft, they have ten picks. Whether it's how many first, how many top like they, three rounds? It, a lot of it's com- if you remember last off season, they lost a lot of players on defense, so it's a lot of fourth and fifth rounders. Yeah, but if you're if you're paying, remember what the Jets got for Brandon Marshall? What was it? A fifth round pick, fifth or sixth rounder? When when yeah, a player for, when you're unloading a player that's worth ten million dollars, they're not going to be worth that much unless it's a quarterback. So, but here's the here's the thing though. The Seahawks are going to still remain competitive because they still have Russell Wilson at QB. So they're still going to be contending for many years to come. But it, if you think – here's my question to you, Sebo. If they do lose Earl at some point during the season or before the season, do you think that by next season, the, 29, the, um, the 2019 season, we will see the Seahawks with no more Earl Thomas and no more Richard Sherman? And Cam Chancellor. And Cam Chancellor might not even play. The Legion of Yeah, that, that's why I didn't want to mention him because apparent, it's alleged on whether or not he will it, – it's not known yet whether or not he'll be able to play again. And that, that's, and why I, that's, that's my reason for putting Derwin James there. I feel like he's one of the most athletic defensive backs in the draft. And, that's, and if they want to replace someone as good as a Cam Chancellor, as good as a Earl Thomas, you got to go with the most athletic guy. I don't think I, besides, I don't think people realize the state that the Seattle Seahawks are actually in. If you look down. at their team, they're getting very old and they do not, they have a lot of contracts to give out. They don't have a lot of weapons yeah. on offense. If you look at if you watch them play this year, it was a team all around Russell Wilson. Their defense fell off due to injuries and that's going to happen when you get older. And I think they've realized it too and they're going to start they're gonna. I think they're gonna completely revamp their defense starting this year. I think through the draft they're gonna try just picking defense with almost every pick. I would say every pick. I I think they definitely need to shore up the offensive line. But yeah, I, I do agree. Yeah. I do agree that they're gonna go out. They're gonna. They need pass. They're gonna lock up Sheldon Richardson. I believe that. But guys like Cliff Averill, they said he might not play again. Cam Chancellor might not play again. Michael Bennett. I, Michael Bennett doesn't yeah. know his future on the team. 
I didn't mean every pick. I meant like yeah, yeah, yeah. No, majority, majority, of the picks. majority. Be- because they're gonna want to try and get like disciples to these veterans. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And if you so back to back to what I was saying, Richard Sherman coming off Achilles injury, Earl Thomas future uncertain. Besides Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright, you look at that defense, and there's a lot of question marks. The Seattle Seahawks are not the same team that they were two years ago. No. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bold statement right now, and it's gonna sound a little a little you know crazy right now, but hear me out. I think that the Seahawks are are the biggest bust of the last like ten years in the NFL. They had a team that was a Super Bowl contender year in year out, and they won one. They dominated the top offense in the league in the Broncos, and we saw that team. And we, we even saw in Russell Wilson's first year, we saw the makings of a great team to come for years to come. For years to come. So we saw them um, lose to the Falcons in Russell Wilson's rookie year. And then they made the Super Bowl and they, and they demolished the Broncos. And then they go back the next year. And they play a great game against Brady. They make it, they make it all the way down to the two-yard line. And they lose. And from there, the Seahawks just they couldn't get back going again. Um, and it's cra- was... it's crazy to think because let me finish. They were just they're so talented, and I think had they won that Super Bowl, this is a completely different story right now of the past few years. This is just a completely different story. And a big thing to that, if you look at their past postseason appearances, they haven't had home field advantage. Russell Wilson has one road playoff win under his belt. One. So they've they've been trending down since that Super Bowl. So I yeah. do agree with that. I also, but I won't say the biggest bust. I won't. I don't. Say well, that. Well, yeah, when very... I mean bust, I think that I think you you put it a little better than I did. I exaggerated a little bit. But what I meant was like they just they were there. They had they were in the spotlight and as the number one team, and they just the one play ruined what could have been a great. Uh, Dynasty. Dynasty, yeah. But Absolutely. You know what? That's football. You the only the only team that's had success like that is the Patriots and like it it, it rarely happens. Maybe they could have won two, but after that, who's saying they're winning three? Who knows? The Patriots are really you like the Patriots of our decade, of our generation, the Steelers back in the day and the Cowboys in the seventies and the nineties. Those are and the forty ers in the eighties. Those are there's there's one dynasty per per era, I'd say, and that's just completely dominated by the Patriots for the past twenty years. At this point, I honestly think the Seahawks over the past couple of years just got bit by the injury bug, like bad. Like if you look at it, they lost Earl Thomas, I think it was last year, and he goes, I don't think I'm ever going to play again. This year they lose Cam Chancellor and Richard Sherman. Cam Chancellor now is saying, I don't think I'm ever going to play again. Their offensive line hasn't been beefed up. And Russell Wilson is be- being put at risk of injury. Who Look at the running backs they're using since they lost Lynch. They haven't drafted a good running back. Or O-line. They haven't had anyone to block. Yeah. I mean, Thomas Rawls had a good year. And uh, he had a good year about, what was it, two, three years ago? He had, he had a really strong year. He had, clo- he had close to, uh, I think he had around 1,300 rushing yards. And, of course, I took him with, in the second round of my fantasy draft the next year, and he played, like, three games. You know what? Go by. You know what I will say? You know what was, besides the Butler, 
in the Butler interception at the uh, in the Super Bowl, one of the biggest downfalls of the Seahawks was trading Max Unger, their All Pro center for Jimmy, for Jimmy Graham. Graham. For Jimmy Graham. Yep. I mean, that was one of their big, and they still. I know he was amazing in the red zone this year. He barely had 500 yards. They still don't know how to utilize the guy, and now he's a free agent. He might be gone as well, too. Well, I think. Well, here's two things on that. I think one, um, the, you know, the the plan was when they got Jimmy Graham that it's time to unleash Russ and make him the focal point. They knew Marshawn was leaving, so they figured they run a more spread offense. That's the way that they were having success in that, and they just they didn't have the old line to help him out. And Russ has been running for his life the past three years. Uh, w- with regards to Jimmy Graham's future, I think we're going to see him leave Seattle. Who he has said, he, you know, he's actually very close to Russell Wilson. He likes the Seattle area. He actually like, flies down to practice every day because he lives on top of the mountain and just flies his plane onto the water. I think we're going to see That's him cool. sign like a two-year deal back with New Orleans, the Saints. And I think the Saints are going to be ready to make another run at it. Because they don't have a tight end. They have Kobe Fleener as their tight end, and he stinks. I could see that, honestly. Have you guys? Have, that, have you guys? Um, I'm sorry, RJ. What'd you say? I was gonna say that offense would be ridiculous with Jimmy Graham, Kamara, Ingram, Kankar, Mike, Mike Thomas. Yeah, uh, Jimmy Graham is definitely going back up to top two tight end status. If that's the point, if that's the case. With with Breeze just slinging across the field like that. Oh my god. Uh, have you guys started watching the um the Tom Brady documentary, Tom vs. Time? I did not. I watched the. I refuse to watch yeah, it. Yeah, I had the same mindset, but then I thought, like, I just figured, just give it a try. Oh, you're a Jets fan. You just love. You guys low key love Brady. Well, you know, I don't. Here's the thing: I was watching it, and I was like, just like stabbing myself watching because I just hated watching him on there, knowing this guy has tormented me for years. But it, it's a. It, it really is though. The reason I do hate it is because. I like the documentary. It's actually kind of cool. Brady's a weird guy. He eats, like, food that he just ma- – he basically just puts food in a blender and just drinks it up. His diet consists of, like, grilled chicken, vegetables, and, like, ground beef. That's it. Uh, in the workouts he goes through with Alex Guerrero as well, his, his trainer, potential lover as well. I'm going to throw that <laughs> out there. They, um it, it it really is kind of interesting. I do recommend to all the listeners to give it a watch. Um, but Ready? I cringe watching it as well. I don't come from the same background as Goldblatt. Brady hasn't really beaten me up over the past couple of years. It's just the fact I hate the Patriots because where did all these Patriots fans come from? I don't know. Where did all the Warriors fans <laughs> come from, RJ? You tell me. <laughs> I, I just can't stand. I don't care that RJ's a Warriors fan. I, the people that I hate most on earth are fans from New York who have the audacity to root for a Boston team. I know. that. That's what I was trying to get. It, it made, the New York fans of the Patriots, where did they come from? It, we've hated Bo- We've been taught to hate Boston all our life. And now I go around. I could name probably five friends that are Patriots fans. And, and every single one of them, their story is like, Oh, they're the first team I ever watched play. Or, oh, my family. I, I had a, a yeah. great uncle's good friend who lived in Boston at some point once in his who life. Who bought me a Tom Brady jersey. Yeah, it, ridiculous. 
All right, guys, great job with the mock draft talk. Let's move on to our end-of-the-year NFL awards. So a couple of the awards that we're going to be hitting, guys, are MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive and, Offensive and Defensive Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year, Most Improved, Assistant Coach of the Year, and the Best Job by uh, Front Office. So, guys, let's start off with – we'll start off a little small. Who do you think – is the assistant coach of the year. My my pick would be Wade Phillips of the Rams. My – do you have a reason why, Sebo? Um, or just I think he did a great job with that defense. I know Sean McVay got a lot of credit, but he really – he they transitioned to 3-4. They were one of the most aggressive defenses all year. I just think he had a lot to do with their turn – just as – not just as much to do with their turnaround as McVay, but he had a lot. He had a big reason involved in it. Sebo, uh, I think that's I think that's a pretty solid choice, honestly. But I would go with uh, Pat Shermer of the Minnesota Vikings. The things he was able to do with Case Keenum as his quarterback, and he lost his top running back, Dalvin Cook, is just crazy. They they were actually like a top in my opinion, in a pre-top offense. Oh, absolutely. And he did that while losing his quarterback from the beginning of the year and losing his starting running back from the beginning of the year. Yep. Both Can't good argue picks. With that. Yeah, both good picks, guys. Um, I think those are definitely two guys very deserving of the award, of the award but I'm going to go with a guy I mentioned a couple of episodes back, um, Nathan Hackett, the offensive coordinator down in Jacksonville. I think like I said, the, the, jo- the job he did this year managing this Jaguars team and protecting Bortles and ultimately getting them within a few plays of the Super Bowl. Yes, they were led by their defense, but their offense really did play well towards the end. So I'm going to go with Nathan Hackett. Uh, all right, guys, let's go with the best front front office job. I'm gonna, I'll start off this one. Uh, and this is from the whole year, guys. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. They made a lot. I thought Doug McDermott was a great hire for them. I thought um, trading back in the in the first round last year to get Tredavious White, who was who is a contender for Rookie of the Year, defensive Rookie of the Year as well, was great. And they just have so many picks in this year's draft. They have like two picks in this first round, like two third rounders, a couple second rounders. I thought they did a great job of bringing in a new regime, Brandon being their new GM, I think they they got a good foundation going forward, which I hate to say as a Jets fan. RJ? I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles front office. They, also, they, also a great job. They were able to find all these pieces, and they, they built around – they made Wentz comfortable, and that defense is stacked. And now Nick Foles very comfortable. And he's leading them to the Super Bowl. Yeah, their their um head of their their president of operations, Howie Roseman, really does um he really has a really good eye for talent. I thought Derek Farnett was a great pick for them in the first round this year. Yeah. What do you think, Zebo? I agree with RJ on this one. I also picked the Philadelphia Eagles. When you look back two years ago when the Cowboys built their offensive line, everyone was showing all of it with their offense. Jerry Jones won Jerry Jones won executive of the year that year. If you look at the Eagles, the way they're built, the talent they have, their defensive line, their linebackers, their offensive line, their quarterback, 
pretty much all homegrown drafted talent. And then not only on top of that, they filled their needs with signing Alshon Jeffrey, trading for Timmy Jernigan, which was for six-round pick, which is possibly one of the most untalked-about things in the NFL this year. He's been phenomenal for them. They just all – and you've seen what they've done, even if when Wentz gets hurt and they replace him with Nick Foles. They have so much talent around, all around the board. So I agree. I definitely think Howie Roseman, especially since – don't don't forget, he also inherited the Chip Kelly disaster, and he and he's done an incredible job with it. Yeah, and they have a lot of these guys locked up. Also, they signed a lot of extensions this year. I agree, um, and don't get me wrong, guys. I, I do think the Eagles have a great job in the front office this year. I just thought the Bills, low key, really do have a good foundation going forward with using the draft because uh, I think the best way to build a team is in the NFL is through the draft. Yeah, and if you. Uh, what I will say w- with your point is, look what Sean McDermott did. He traded talented players in Ronald Darby and Sammy Watkins, players that he just didn't think fit his system or his culture, and they were a playoff team for the first time in how many years? And they benched their starting QB for a game midway through the year and still made the playoffs. So their Bills are definitely in a team that is – once they get to the QB, I think they can really hit the ground running. Yeah, I Let's- hope the – I hope Bills fans never have to see Peterman throw a football ever again. Yeah, that was a shame when he had to come into the playoff game. Everyone knew it was over. Yeah, I hope they. I hope they stop banning tables whenever the Bills go to games. <laughs> uh, let's move on, guys. Let's move on to the most improved player this for this year. RJ, let's start with you. I'm gonna go with Case Keenum. I feel like he stepped into his role. He was a, he was basically a nobody quarterback before this year. And he excelled in the Vikings offense under the, my assistant of the year, Pat Shermer. Yeah. I you I ultimately that. think he will end up winning the award, RJ, but I'm gonna go with someone on his team, Adam Thielen. Yeah. Yeah. I, he he's turned into a top fifteen, top possibly top ten wide receiver in the league. And I think he has a lot of a lot to do with the success of Case Keenum. So I'm gonna go with Thielen on this one. Uh, so originally when I was thinking of this pick, no, I thought the original consensus would be like, you know, Jared Goff, easily. Um, he definitely had a very improved year. I'm going to go with a guy in my team. I'm going to go with Robbie Anderson. Um, the Jets this year were, by some people, projected to have zero to two wins and were seen as a talentless offense. And Josh McCown, we, I've said in a couple of episodes, he had a above average year due to his standards. Robbie Anderson really emerged as a, I'd say a high-end wide receiver too. I don't think he's a good wide receiver going one, especially possibly with some off-the-field issues, but he produced 63 catches this year, 941 yards, seven touchdowns, and this is without Josh McCown going the last like three or four games of the year. So I really thought Robbie he made a name for himself this year. How's he doing in jail? He's not, uh, He pleaded not guilty, but huh. that's, huh. yeah. <laughs> so let's move on to our rookies. I think I'm going to start off and just announce Alvin Kamara and Marshawn Lattimore, both from the Saints, as their respect in their as the award winners in their respective spot positions. Yeah, I'm going to. I agree with you. I, I think I don't really know who else to give to. Like, I, I, should, Fournette's definitely in the discussion, but yeah. I, 
and like and Kareem and Tredavious White. I was gonna say I have Marshawn Lattimore, but I just threw Kareem Hunt, even though. I firmly believe Kamara basically has it locked up, but I think Kareem Hunt deserves a lot of recognition for what he did this year, especially early in the year. Yeah, I mean, he led the NFL in rushing. You can't take that away from him. Yeah. I just think Kamara was so much more dynamic. And versatile. And versatile. And he, I think he'll get he, – he just gets the popularity vote also. He's more flashy. He also broke. Like, I don't. I just think Kamara is the guy that's going to win that, and I think we all agree on Lattimore. He was a lockdown corner this year. Yeah. No, I don't think there's much competition. He changed the Saints' defense for them. Yeah. It's it's him and Tre'Davious White, basically. Yeah, definitely White. Definitely White. Well, but since I, we're I think Lattimore gets the nod in this one. Well, since we're throwing out speed adjectives to describe Kamara, I don't want to be the odd man out. So I'm going to say Alvin Kamara was very elusive. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Just, just, just to join the conversation. No one likes being left out. Let's move on to our coach of the year. I'm going to go – you know, there's a lot of great jobs. Sean McVay is a top – is a high pick, but you got to go Doug Peterson, in my opinion. He brought a team who looked lost after losing their stud QB, and here they are in the Super Bowl after being doubted against the Falcons, and they won, and then absolutely dominating the Vikings who, like, um, the Vikings were projected to kill them. All right, Jay, um, who, who do you have? I honestly have Sean McVay, but another strong strong case would be, yeah. like, he, he's he been doing great on the defensive side of the ball for a couple of years now. And after, through all the obstacles he went through on offense, like he still was able to bring his team to an MC championship. And now his offensive coordinator got a head coaching job, which obviously means he did his job well in bringing him up. I was on the fence on this one. I was I was between Peterson and McVeigh. But since it's more of a regular season award, I'm going with McVeigh. From last from last in points per game to first in points per game, the turnaround he had, especially with golf, you saw what Todd Gurley this, did this year. He wasn't even going in the top two yeah. rounds in fantasy. Now finished the number one fantasy back, possible MVP. I honestly think so. And yeah. you look at the wide receiving core: Robert Woods got a lot out of him. Cooper Cup got a lot out of him. Their My boy line was one of the best performing offensive lines in the league. So I'm going to go with McVay on this one. Yeah, and Sean McVay was a huge um, huge contributor in the Rams being able to sign um, left tackle Andrew Whitworth, who was a guy who was with the Bengals for most of his career. And I thought he just helped change the dynamic of that offense. And we don't, we don't give him enough credit. With Peterson? I honestly, yeah. Go ahead. Continue. I, I was going to say, I honestly think McVay has it locked up. There's not really any competition. Like, yeah, I, what he did for the Rams is actually – crazy. Like, if you think about a year ago, I'm going to bring my Titans into this. They traded their first-round pick and they were thinking, Goff's a bust. They just traded two first-round picks for a bust. This, this franchise is going downhill. McVay makes Goff look like a good quarterback. Quarterback. Got Gurley back to where he's supposed to be. And they won. 
yeah, Seahawks in their division, who is the heavy favorites every year. Uh, if you, the thing is, with the two guys we're mentioning, Peterson and McVay, you just look at the creativity they have in their offenses, and you don't see it a lot in the NFL. They have a step up on a lot of people, and they're able to adjust their game plan, which is what a good coach should be doing to their quarterback. So they're both definitely deserving. I think that's one of the more interesting races. I think Peterson will get his first first place votes. I think this is pretty interesting about McVay today. Next year, they're going to have an offensive coordinator. He's going to be the head coach and the offensive coordinator. It's definitely a well, lot more. That's definitely a lot more stress on him. But well, what well, we've seen, I know he calls the plays, but it's it's tough. Yeah. it's it's tough. That's a lot of stress on one person. But you, lot, think he, you always see it yeah. in the NFL people taking over the responsibility and then two years later giving it up because it's just not working out. But here's the Look thing. Look at a guy he's, like Mike McCarthy. He's going to have an offensive coordinator because the offensive coordinator, while he's not calling the plays at times in certain situations, they're a huge part in game planning for them. So uh, I think – Go, but yes. I, I got to update because I just know because the Titans signed their former offensive coordinator. Matt LaFleur. I, he, he's been a, he's yeah, been a I, guy who – was under McVay this year and was with Kyle Shanahan. So he's been in, along with some good NFL lineages as well. And what I read was that they're just going to have, like, wide receiver coaches, quarterback coach, but no offensive coordinator. He was going to take over that job as well. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to some fun ones. Let's start with the defensive player of the year. Sebo, let's go with you. My This was tough. I wanted to pick my guy, Demarcus Lawrence. I was thinking about Calais Campbell and Jalen Ramsey, but I'm going to go with the most disruptive player possibly on the defensive side of the ball in the NFL with Aaron Donald. I think he's the most deserving, and especially any any Rams game you watch, he's unblockable. Most unblockable guy on the field. I think he's definitely – this is the year he gets the defensive player of the year. He's been deserving since he's been in the league. I think this is the year he gets it. See, but I'm going to be completely honest. We have the same exact pick. Even though I love to see my my boy Bayard get some consideration considering he led the league in interceptions. But I think Donald just has it locked up. It's between him and Clay's Campbell, in my opinion. Yeah, I I, I think so also. I, I, honestly, I you know who who's going to get some recognition? Cam Jordan, the defensive end on the Saints. He, he, was, he was a yeah. force. He was a force. Yeah, I agree. Um, I know Demo's not gonna be ha- our buddy Demo's not gonna be happy with any of us because I'm not gonna go with Harrison Smith, but I do think Harrison Smith is top three in the defensive player of the year votings. But I'm gonna go with a guy who I believe is the best corner in the league now, and I think Jalen Ramsey really took got the superstar status this year. I thought he was just off- awesome, and I know what you guys are gonna say, you know. Yes, he's great, and he had AJ, but he had AJ Bouye on the other side. I don't care. Jalen Ramsey was awesome this year. Um, so let's move on a bit. Let's move on to the offensive player of the year, RJ. Let's start with you. I got Gurley. I think, I think he was the most dynamic player offensively in the NFL, and he deserves the award completely. It's kind of funny. I just noticed now I picked three Rams or coach of the year, one defensive player and one now the offensive player. But 
that, that team that, just turned it around. Yeah, that's that's what just, happened. that just goes to show you the turnaround that they made. And that's exactly why Sebo took Wade Phillips as his um, assistant coach of the year, and Sean McVay is considered a very uh, high um, he, Heavy uh, favorite. Co- a coach of the year candidate. Yeah. Sebo, what about you? I'm going with Gurley as well. In 15 games, he had over 1,300 yards, 13 rushing touchdowns, 64 receptions, almost 800 yards receiving yards, and six touchdowns. So that's a total of 19 touchdowns. I I, I think that he – it's between him and Antonio Brown, but I think Gurley edges them out. Yeah, uh, I thought Gurley was fantastic this year, but I'm going to go with Antonio Brown because I think the Steelers win games because of him. Uh, I think he's just – will end as a top five wide receiver of all time. I, I think he's just unbelievable. Like, what he, what he did in the playoff game against the Jaguars this year, like, forget it. All right, guys, we're on to the big one now, the MVP. Yep. Uh, we're No one's going to be happy with this one, but I think Tom Brady is a lock for the MVP. Yeah, I think he's a, a strong lock as well. Yep, that's my pick too, even though I believe if – Wentz didn't tear his ACL that he would have gotten it. Wentz and Watson definitely, definitely would have been in consideration. I think Wentz probably would have won, but yeah, I, I thought the Eagles. I thought Brady the Eagles, wins MVP. I thought the Eagles were still going to the Super Bowl. That were actually were even more of a lock to go to the Super Bowl with Wentz, and possibly a team could have gone into the Super Bowl as um as a favorite as well. Yeah, yeah. but there's Wentz. Like, Wentz was so. He was incredible this year. There was, so dynamic. There was a five-game stretch in the middle of the year before Wentz got hurt where they were destroying teams. The Broncos, the Cowboys, no matter who they were playing, they were destroying teams. I was, Guys, watching, I, I was watching Wentz a lot because I got, I got lucky and fancy. I drafted Rodgers, and he went down. And then with my last pick in the draft, I ended up drafting Wentz, and I ended up having this – future MVP candidate as my quarterback one. Guys, I want to throw one more name in there. Um, I've, I got a lot of uh, – a lot of people disagreeing with me during the year, but and he's not the MVP of the league, but I do believe you got to give the man, like, some some top five MVP consideration. I But I think Deion, dude, DeAndre Hopkins performs with whoever is at QB. AB does not perform with Landry Jones as QB. But DeAndre Hopkins, no matter who is on him, is performing. 100 yards weekly, touchdowns, you um, name it. Not an, I'm not saying he's the MVP of the league, but that man deserves just to be at least recognized for being, well, this man is truly the mo- a top player on that team. Maybe top 10. Yeah, top, top seven. Five. No, give, 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 give me top seven right now for, for at least this year. Yeah, for, no. I think you could argue that. between. At the wide receiver, it's him, Julio Jones, and Antonio Brown this year, and I think he had a much he had a much better year than Julio Jones. Yeah, yeah. Julio had a down year, but a lot of that had to do with because Steve Sarkeesian was drinking probably twenty four seven all day, and he forgot how to play. Rum, rum and cokes in the press box. Rum and cokes in the press box. He was he was playing Madden. The whole isn't time. it great how we could say a down year for Julio Jones? He still has over fourteen hundred yards. <laughs> isn't that great? Yeah. It's crazy. crazy. But when when do you think he gets over the ten touchdown mark? 
I, I don't I mean with Marshawn Lattimore. Well, here's the thing. You know, he went against Josh Norman for a couple of years. Now he has Marshawn Lattimore there. Yeah. Uh, so you know, honestly, who knows? Who maybe you'll... the Buccaneers look to go corner? Yeah. But when you bring that up, when you bring that up, you see guys. Look at Hopkins versus uh, Patrick Peterson this year. Look at AB versus the Jaguars. Number one receivers should not be ever. They shouldn't be shut down ever. Ever. Yeah. Even, yeah, even, I agree. Even Dion versus, Je- Dion versus Jerry Rice. I know we didn't get to watch that, but you go back, you look at the stats. Jerry Rice didn't get shut down. He got his catches. He got his yards. Dion just was phenomenal. He limited that. So, I agree. There's some games just, you just see Julio just not do anything. And it really, I know it's Sarkeesian a lot of the time, but it's how do you let that happen? Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> They also got, I don't know, a couple more options than, like, the Texans. Steelers, I can't argue with, but, like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. All right, everyone. So, this was the sixth episode of Car Sports Talk. On Thursday, that is going to be our last episode before the Super Bowl. So, on Thursday, we're going to do a quick recap of this other sport news over the next few days. And then we're going to just dive into a huge Super Bowl review. And we may or may not have guests coming on the show to help us out with some Super Bowl prop bets. We will see you all on Thursday.